I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And welcome to the Randomly Generated History Club, where three non-historians pick a year at random and try to learn things about it. I'm Ant, and I'm here with my two friends, Will and Anna. Hello. Hi. This week, we are talking about the year 1743. One of the greats. One of the greats. (laughs) What a great year. Good vintage. Grand Cru. Oh, I've used that joke before. Premier Grand Cru is the next level up. Um, So what we should do now is give our three word previews, Will. Wolves in Scotland? Wolves in Scotland. (laughs) In this economy? (laughs) The football team. Um, Anna. Hold on to them. Hold on to them. On to them. Hold on to them. And mine is zap, zap, zap. Okay. Is that like the improv game, Zip Zap Zap? Uh, yes, but you know just one, one third of it. Okay, no, I, I don't know that one. Yeah, I'm it's... just yes ending you, like, oh, like a good improver <laughs> <Nice>. would do. <laughs> you don't need the games, you're just straight to business. Right, let's get into it. Today, Zap Zap Zap, we are of course talking about Benny Franks. Or as, the Benny Franks, as you may, may know him, Benjamin Franklin. Oh, okay. <laughs> Which he started the famous uh, Frankie and Benny's uh, restaurant chain in in England. For those that, of you that that's know. correct, yeah, that's, that's right, isn't it? Yeah. In, <laughs> that is a thing I have heard of in the 1770s. <laughs> Benny Franks, 1750s. founding father, Frank- god of lightning, <laughs> first of his name, and American king of the Zeus. Andals. <laughs> So a bit of background on him. Born in Boston in 1706. Yeah, Boston. Benjamin Franklin was the 15th of 17 children. No. Yes. That's a lot. That is a lot. He was largely self-educated, uh, but he did apprentice to one of his other brothers, um, James, a printer when he was 12. Mm. So he obviously thought that 17 was a ridiculous number of people to be around the whole time. Yeah. And uh, he ran away. Uh, to Philadelphia when he was 17 
And then he established himself, guess what, as a printer. Oh. And he launched his own newspaper, which was called the Pennsylvanian Gazette. Mm. And then he actually went on later to publish a thing called the Poor Richard's Almanac, which offered wit and wisdom to colonial Americans at the time under a pseudonym of Richard. Poor, <laughs> Richard, poor comma, Richard. poor. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, but he was also, as we know, a civic activist slash busybody. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he founded a public library, the first public library, the fire department, and the academy in Pennsylvania, which became the University of Pennsylvania. He also initiated a street cleaning scheme and raised uh, funds for a city hospital. Just an all-round do-gooder. Yeah. And kind of annoying, actually, yeah. if you think about it. Sort like, of perfect. Do you have any of those friends that, like, do a load and, like, they're always busy doing cool things yeah. and stuff? And they're never, like, just at home in their pants eating, like, Doritos. They're, like, <laughs> always like, oh, yeah, I'm going to a black tie thing. Or, no, I'm fundraising for swans or whatever. Like, it's just so annoying. Uh, ironically, I tonight have a black tie fundraiser for swans. <laughs> <laughs> ah, the great swan ball. Yeah, exactly. The great <laughs> swan ball. It's, it's a hoot. Swan ball is also a really good sport, by the way. <laughs> It's, it's like football, but it's the also ball is a delicacy swan. in Japan, I believe. <laughs> swan balls, yes. Um, but he, as well as all this other stuff, he was also an inventor and experimenter. Uh, he invented bifocal glasses. He invented the the stove, a certain type of stove we call the Franklin stove. Oh, and he also invented or claims to have invented the lightning rod, which I would argue is just a metal stick. <laughs> And it should really go to and be credit to the person that first invented the metal stick, uh, because it's the same thing. It was actually one of his 17 brothers. Yeah, exactly. Uh, later, in the, in, later in life, in 1750s, Franklin did that whole kite thing and the electricity stuff, blah, blah, blah. Uh, he became involved in colonial politics. He was sent to England uh, to protest against the influence of the Penn family in Pennsylvanian governance. He stayed in London for nearly a decade, actually, and he tried to prevent the Revolutionary War. Not so successful. <laughs> Franklin, you chump. <laughs> Finally, something he failed at. Get wrecked, Franklin. Uh, he'd go on to be elected Second Continental Congress. He drafted the Declaration of Independence, served in France, secured crucial French support for the American Revolution, and drafted the U US Constitution. Blah, blah, blah. Had a bunch of mistresses, got syphilis. Oh, yeah. So much. Yeah. But quick one. Uh, why, why do you think that he was doing the kite experiment? The what experiment? The kite experiment. You know, he flew the kite mm. up. And electricity, he had a key on it. To get to the other side? <laughs> no, because they didn't know what lightning was. Oh, they I mean, that's a reasonable answer. <laughs> they thought that it was either ether, as in like the ephemeral ether. Yeah. Uh, not like the, mm, yum, ether, this smells good. Um, <laughs> or or flogginston. Excuse yeah, me? Flogginston. Yeah. Which is uh, what they said was the release of an ethereal um, combustible objects would contain this substance and when it exploded it would release it and that's what the source of explosions and stuff oh. were um and some hypothesized that lightning was a manifestation of this or actually something religious and unexplainable there was no scientific reason for it and so he proved without a shadow of a doubt that it was actually in fact electricity caused by clouds going rub 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 bang 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 and the mystery of ether and phlogiston remains intact and we still don't know where that comes from uh so that's tbc but <laughs> I want to get under his skin a bit more and dive into 1743, specifically of this overachieving dude. His personal life and character were not without controversy. He had an illegitimate child <gasps> called William. Uh, he also was a bit of a philanderer when he was in France. Apparently his, his wit and witticism and charm and probably 
Boston accent was really charming <laughs> to the French. <laughs> yeah, just he's just like Matt Damon in Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. If there's one thing the French love, it's great American accents. Do you want some coffee? <laughs> yeah. That was, oh, it's like he's frankly. in the room with me. <laughs> he also uh, did own slaves previously. He did change his mind later on about that, and he was an abolitionist, but he did actually own slaves at one stage. So yeah. just highlight that here. Um, he also, his son, William, was his, his, his illegitimate son, William, was complex because he... It was really vitriolic. I yes, apologize for it, <laughs> He was on the side of the British. So oh. his son, William, was like, for king and country. Wow. And right. Franklin was like, no, 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 let's have none of that here. There's a noticeable tension growing between Will and me on... Uh, on, as on, we, on as colonialism. We, yeah, as we approach the Revolutionary War. Well, the next thing you're also on the... I mean, it was... I mean, the Revolutionary... Let's, be, let's get a couple of things straight. Yeah, let's clear the air. <laughs> First of all... Oh, God. The, the governance afforded to citizens of the Americas by the, by the Great Britain <laughs> uh, was first rate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, first rate, just like the rate we paid on stamps... And taxes. I and don't stuff. think you, that was even particularly high. Yeah. I know, but I just and, it and like then it got abolished, opening. didn't it? Yeah, after we dumped your herbs into the <laughs> ungrateful into the into the beautiful Look, pristine Boston Harbor. All right, let's m- mark this time. Okay, it's 2023. In tw- in 2043, let's look back and see how American politics has developed, <laughs> and, and see who who would prefer to have a parliamentary democracy at that point. <laughs> you, yeah, you, fair uh, enough. This actually the next bit. You're, I think you're actually on the opposite sides of this specific tidbit of information as well, because Franklin also liked doing air baths where he would sit naked for an hour every morning in lieu of bathing, and he would read and write, and he thought that that cleansed his body. Yeah. And I know that you both are... I know. Well, Will is... He's air bathing right now. <laughs> He's I, air bathing I right now. I bathe <laughs> yeah. every day. Yeah, we, despite our protests, you air bath while we're recording the podcast. You insist on water bathing. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> he also invented the glass harmonica, which is like kind of like a xylophone thing type thing, but it's like a whole bunch of glasses with different amounts of water filled in it, I guess, and he can play it, and it's kind of spooky and ethereal. Oh, like Sandra Bullock and Miss Congeniality. Yes, exactly. Something like that. Um, so he's directly responsible for that movie. He is Sandra Bullock's great, 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 great. Oh, wow. Really? Dad. I do actually know someone who's descended from Benjamin Franklin. Who? What's her name? His name is James. James Franklin? I'm, I'm not going to say okay, his sorry. surname to protect his privacy. But also he doesn't it, listen to the podcast. But also so it's Franklin. <laughs> he's dead to me. Um, another thing that I found out about him, he left money to the cities of Boston and Philadelphia, but stipulated that they couldn't draw it for 200 years. And as such, the money accrued such vast amount of compound interest, it was actually worth quite a lot of money to the, to the cities. Mm. Um, but the busy body and overachiever was up to a few other things in 1743. He drafted a proposal for the establishment of what would become the University of Pennsylvania, as we said. He wrote and distributed a proposal for for promoting useful knowledge among the British plantations in America, emphasizing the value of higher education in the American colonies. He also, in the same year, as well as writing a letter, (laughs) he founded the American Philosophical Society. He managed to do that and write a letter? I know, I still haven't written one yet. (laughs) He's aiming to promote the sharing of scientific and philosophical knowledge, and the society played a vital role in the American Enlightenment and was inspired in part by Franklin's interactions with various learned societies in Europe. The society provided a platform for scholars and thinkers to discuss their ideas, uh, acted as a cornerstone for democracy, dissemination of enlightenment uh, etc and it actually continues to this day uh, its mission is quote promoting useful knowledge which is great as opposed to like the <laughs> trivia that have accrued in my head <laughs> uh, also or like hiding useful knowledge discouraging useful knowledge 
that's exactly a worse yeah. <laughs> option. I do like its motto as well, which is nihil humani a ma alenum puto, which means I am human. I regard nothing of human concern as foreign to my interests. Uh, close. Yeah, that's yeah. it. We'll say that's what it is. Um, I consider nothing human as alien to me. Oh, yeah. Same thing. Yeah, Same homo, thing. yeah. sometimes it starts with homo sum. Some famous uh, modern day uh, alums or members, Noam Chomsky, Stephen Hawking, oh. uh, Freeman Dyson, etc. Good ones. Uh, and it still gives out grants and scholarships and awards. And it's, uh, you know, it, it has also accrued a sort of an elitish snobbish um, Sorry, what's it called? What is this it's, place? It's, it's called the American Philosophical Society. Oh. Presidents um, of the American Philosophical Society right now. Mm. Little known, Sandra Bullock. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I'd believe it. She can do anything. So as well as this year of, 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 of coming up with the concept of a Sandra Bullock, he also d- he observed a curious phenomenon regarding the movement of storm systems which he saw that contrary to the prevailing belief that storms moved in the direction of the wind, he posited that storm systems moved against the wind direction at higher altitudes. And his observations were rooted in letters exchanges with his brothers and his own experiences during travel. And inspired Bob Seger to write the song Against the Wind. (laughs) That's it. Um, And his almanac, Poor Richard's Almanac, which was published again during this time, Richard Saunders was continued to be released. And weather predictions, humor, proverbs, etc. And some of the sayings from the almanac still exist, such as a penny saved is a penny earned and fish and visitors stink in three days. <laughs> That's which is a good great. One. Yeah. I've never there you heard go. that. In sure. summary, Franklin, top bloke. Top lad. Franklin's dad, top shagger. <laughs> 17 kids. Yeah. <laughs> Franklin, God. top shagger too. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. William on the wrong side of history. Only no one... Of his illegitimate sons, but yeah. I reckon there's a bunch of like kite flowing, flying Frenchies out there somewhere. Yeah, with like little oh, sure. bifocals in there. You ever seen a picture of Franklin? He's hot. Oh yeah, young Franklin. I mean, yeah, yeah, for sure, young Franklin. Because we only think of him as like a uh, with the bald, ha- long hair, somehow bald and has long hair at the same time. Oh no, he looked like that when he was young too. I just <laughs> oh. find that very attractive. <laughs> oh right, that's your that's, that's your scene. That's my ideal. Young Ben Franklin. Ooh. Look at those curls. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Today, I'm talking about the Russo-Swedish War, which is important for strategic reasons, blah, 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 but notable because I find its other name very funny. It's called the War of the Blank. Mm, where uh-huh. the blank is filled in by an article of clothing. Would you like to guess? The War of the Pants? The War of the Pants? Uh, the War of the Cuffs. The War of the Cuffs? The War N- of the, the Soggy Socks? The, <laughs> also good. One more? The, the, the War of the Capes. Oh, that's mm. closer. It is called The War of the Hats. Ah. Yeah. Unfortunately, the war wasn't literally about hats. It's called that because one of the leading political parties in Sweden at the time was called the Hats. Oh, okay, gotcha. They were so named because of the tri-cornered hats they wore. And can you guess what their opposition was called? The scalps. <laughs> uh-huh. um, the, the quad corner. The, qu- <laughs> the quads. Yeah, the, square, yeah, yeah. the square hats. Square hats. No, their opposition were the caps. Ah. And the caps were called that because they were seen as being soft and timid, like a nightcap, 
just weak, weak cotton boys, not like the strong and sturdy hats. Cotton boys. And the hats wanted Sweden to regain its position as a great power um, because it had sort of declined uh, as, a, as like the leader in that sphere. And the hats said that in order to do this, they would have to start by exerting dominance in the Baltic region and pushing back against Russia. And really, trouble had been brewing with Russia for a while as it was pushing its borders constantly outward and had started to gain some real prominence in European affairs. And in 1738, a Swedish diplomat by the name of Malcolm Sinclair, the most Swedish name I can think of, went to Constantinople to propose an alliance between the Ottomans and Sweden against Russia. This was a highly classified mission, but nevertheless, the Russians found out about it. And on Sinclair's way back to Sweden, he was caught, pulled from his carriage, and killed and looted by the Russians. That's not a good... It's not great. You're on a good trip. Yeah, not a great trip. trip. Dear? Not great. <laughs> not great. I, di- I died. <laughs> I died. I died. And, and I was also looted. had my pockets picked. <laughs> yeah. It's to add insult to injury. Uh, in response to this assassination, a man named Anders Odell wrote a song called Sinclair Vizan, which had 95 verses... And goes a little something like this. (laughs) Uh, It became a useful propaganda tool for the hats to whip up anti-Russian sentiment. And whip they did. In the summer of 1740, Sweden puts plans in motion. The aim is to advance as far as St. Petersburg and then engineer a coup against Anna Leopoldovna, who was regent for uh, for her infant son, Emperor Ivan VI. Amazingly, the coup worked. They made it to St. Petersburg. They, the coup went off without mm. a hitch. But the new empress, Elizaveta Petrovna, reneged on her promises to return the Baltic states to Sweden. Whoops. Uh, a quick sidebar. I read Elizaveta's Wikipedia and it says, quote, She remains one of the most popular Russian monarchs because of her decision not to execute a single person during her reign. That's a, such a good ruler. <laughs> Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I, yeah, like, that's really going to endear yourself. Yeah. <laughs> What's it say about your country if everyone else executed that's at least bar. one guy? That's the bar you got to cross. Yeah. So good, good on you, Elisabetta. All right. So Sweden is going to have to get stuck into the war for real now. Diplomacy has failed. They deploy troops to the Russian border. They send a fleet of ships into the Baltic Sea near what is now Finland. But while the ships are waiting for the declaration of war and the kind of go ahead to attack, an epidemic breaks out and many of the sailors die and the fleet is essentially crippled. So 
right off the off the bat, things are not going great for Sweden. Russia takes advantage of this and presses its advantage uh, with a force that is four times larger than Sweden's. I mean, like, yeah, it's a bad idea going against Russia. I know. I've actually just read a book, like a very concise Russian history book, and that's their whole thing. It's just numerical we've got, yeah, superiority. Yeah, we've, we've got so many people. Yeah, we just throw them to the cannon and like... And we never get sick. Yeah. Also, the winter <laughs> is cold. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Russia's enormous army presses against Sweden's smaller one. Sweden takes heavy loss- losses and an armistice is agreed in December. Even the Swedes don't want to have to deal with the mm. Russian winter. The armistice holds for a few months, but in March 1742, Russia breaks it. <laughs> and uh, Typical. Typical. All the names in this uh, thing are great, by the way. The Swedes are commanded by General Henrik Magnus von Buddenbrock. Wow, I follow him. <laughs> yeah, right? And the Russians by a man named Voldemar Lowendahl. I take it back, I'm following him. <laughs> yeah, He's yeah. definitely got the strongest magic in... What's that? What's that... Uh, uh, Harry Potter house that's not um, Slytherin no 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 no, no. Durmstrang Durmstrang yeah, yeah. He's, oh yeah, he's yeah. definitely <laughs> he's a definitely Durmstrang, Durmstrang. Yeah. peak <laughs> midichlorians <laughs> he's just swimming with midichlorians can you and say that, his name one more time yeah well it's it's spelled with a W but I assume that means it's pronounced with a V Voldemar Lowendahl great pretty great amazing yeah uh, so the Russians are commanded by the dark wizard Voldemar <laughs> and the Swedes are commanded by some guy wearing a tricornered hat Uh, The Swedes continue to take big losses, largely because there was very bad communication between their land and sea forces. So the whole thing is completely uncoordinated. Russia continues to press and eventually takes the entirety of Finland. There's a brief period in 1743 when it looks like things might go okay for the Swedes, but then they ruin it. Uh, The Russian fleet is able to draw the Swedish fleet out of a harbor and basically slip in around behind them. Classic. Uh, which gave the Russians overwhelming naval superiority and essentially ended the war. And then the peace negotiations commenced. The Tsarina agrees to evacuate her army from Finland on the condition that the uncle of her own heir becomes heir to the throne of Sweden. So basically she'll, she'll pull out of Finland if she can name the next king of Sweden. Russia keeps control over the Baltic territories that they had gained in previous expansions. So it's a pretty resounding Swedish defeat and uh, signaled like a, an age of Russian prosperity and, and preeminence. And uh, because of this, the hats fell out of favor in Sweden. Imagine. And eventually, after a calamitous performance in the Seven Years' War a few years later, the hats lost power completely, and the gentle little caps took over. (laughs) The gentle... Up the the caps. Up the caps. And that is just a little bit uh, of the War of the Hats. Yeah. One of my favorite wars fought over clothing. Mm. (laughs) It reminds me of the um, the Little Enders and the Big Enders. You aware of this? Nope. From from Gulliver's Travels. Oh. It's a it's it's peak satire oh. of uh, of these silly little reasons why human beings fall out. I've never Some people break read their eggs. Ah, oh, well, it's like in fact it was probably written around this time. No? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe we had this in mind. But like um uh, he it was like uh, in the in the book it's one side breaks their eggs on the top on the top side and one breaks them on the kind of flat side uh-huh. the big end and yeah. the end and they go to war over this. Oh, classic! Yes, this is it's like Doctor Seuss the like the Sneeches who have the some have green <laughs> bellies and some have yes red bellies. Seventeen twenty six. Seventeen twenty six. There you go. Yeah, yeah, not too far off. Yeah, Good. Swedes, eh? Swedes can't live with them. <laughs> 
Next. <laughs> they are very beautiful. Though. Yeah, they are stunning. Beautiful. Stunning and kind beautiful. people. They Hello have... to all our Swedish listeners. Tack. Well, it, do you know why, though? Because they, for years, when they were all Vikings, they just stole all the good-looking people and brought them home. It's a great strategy. <laughs> it's a very good strategy. Yeah. Nobody wants the uggos. <laughs> they denuded my nation of all the beautiful people. <laughs> That's why the Irish <laughs> are the way they are. A very beautiful Irish people. Really? Yeah. No, I think on average, we're like not. We're very much, I mean, I'm obviously above average. <laughs> right, obviously. <laughs> well, send send in a list of your top 10 beautiful Irish people and we'll discuss it on future episode <laughs> for 45 minutes. Someone else go, please. This week, <laughs> I'm going to talk about the reason Scotland suffers the same trouble as Ireland in this department, which is wolves in Scotland. (laughs) So the first thing to say is that there are pretty much no wolves in Scotland. And that's because, uh, which which is not quite true, but it's almost true. Uh, And that's because they were, as we'll come to, but like they were basically hunted to extinction in 1743. In that one year? Well, it didn't all happen in one year. That's that's when there was two wolves. The great wolf killing That's when the last reported wolf was killed. Okay. In Killy Cranky in in Perthshire. Uh, So there may have been some unreported wolf killings afterwards, but it was pretty much about that time, probably 1743, that exact year, that wolves became extinct in Scotland. Do you think unreported wolf killings is a good name for a band? (laughs) Yeah, I do. Yeah, it's pretty good. Better uh, than Killy Cranky. Sorry, Scotland. But you can go and see some in like wildlife parks and zoos and sure. things. And there's been some efforts recently to bring them back. So we'll come into that. But back in the day, wolves used to roam around Scotland in packs. Yep. They used to, in packs of about eight. And, the, and then like... <laughs> Sorry, it's just so matter of factual. Like, what what shape were their hats? Their shape? Yeah. Tricorn. <laughs> Tricorn. Oh, hats. they were hats. Okay. Tricorn, Tricorn hats. Um, matching hats and each each pack of eight used to have a slightly different colour and <laughs> emblem on their hat <laughs> and they used to live about I mean like basically there's a bunch of facts here about wolves but like I mean it's, they're pretty unremarkable like they, they had little family units and they, they used to live about as long as a dog I mean of course they did <laughs> <laughs> Like, I don't understand why what's even worth more mentioning. More wolf facts. More wolf facts. In terms of what they used to eat, I mean, basically, they, they like they used to like 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 moose and elk and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, and deer, famously. Well, of course. So there are no moose and elk in Scotland. So, of yeah. course, they had to have deer. Yeah. I mean, maybe there were one day and then they ate them and that's why there's no more. I don't and, know. And uh, deep fried Mars bars? Deep fried Mars bars and haddock. And <laughs> they, uh, they could, of course, eat... Uh, deer as you said boar plenty of boar in Scotland at the time less so now sheep and of course human flesh human man flesh flesh. and it was the fact that they found humans quite tasty that meant the humans ended up hunting them mercilessly and the and also obviously like the wolf habitats were smaller farms got bigger was that like kind of one of those things where they sort of bigged it up because they just like wolf hunting is so much fun that they need an excuse like oh yeah it's killing all these people in scotland yeah, it, it ate me cousin yeah. hamish i yeah, think yeah, it's yeah. like quite i think there was an wolf honor got thing. my baby there's an honor thing involved in going out and trying to do something about a creature that had killed some livestock yeah like yeah so definitely um and and yeah and they i think a lot of them were killed just for sport as well so a few highlights here now of the history of wolves in scotland for you okay (laughs) i I mean i'm already i thought we were already on the highlights so So many of you even better have been writing in asking for just this 
here it is. So in 1427, damage to livestock was so significant uh, that a compulsory hunt of the wolves was ordered by King James I. And between April and August, three hunts were then held annually to coincide with the new cubbing season. Brutal. That is brutal. Mary, Queen of Scots was known to hunt wolves in the forests uh, near her home in 1563, but not any other year. That's the only year she was known to hunt (laughs) wolves there. (laughs) Um, During the early 1600s, there were small buildings called spittles, um, and they were common at intervals along the main travel routes. And if wolves attacked you on the highway, you could seek shelter in the nearest spittle. I mean... You hope there's one close. Yeah, but it's just like quite interesting, right? Like they were such a big problem that they had to have like shelters from wolf attacks Mm. available to travelers. So like they were quite a big, like big, big problem for just the general population. It's sort of hard (laughs) to imagine wolves in Scotland now, but I'm, yeah, I'm sad. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're evil, evil creatures. Oh, no, I think I'm team wolf. Oh my God. Sorry, (laughs) I'm not teen wolf. You should be team human being fundamentally. No, you can't have like so little confidence in your fellow species that you're you're literally on another species side. Uh, humans aren't impressing me very much these days. Like, the worst humans are worse than the worst wolves, I would say. Yeah, and the best wolves are better than the best humans. Are better than the best humans. Yeah, the I'm best, team wolf. <laughs> yeah, the best wolves are better than any human except Sandra Bullock. Mm. Peak. Come on, has, has a wolf ever invented an antibiotic or done <laughs> or, or, or flown an F-18 into blow up at a probably Iranian research facility and then do a 9G turn out of it and then have to deal with the resulting dogfight that ensues? Famously, <laughs> would absolutely that watch was that. the enemy, not not. Named. That's what Airwolf is. That's what Airwolf is. <laughs> also, maybe a wolf would have invented an antibiotic if Scotland hadn't exterminated them. No, you're mm. right. No, you are, you are right. Uh, In this alternative history, I will... Back to the wolf facts. In North Scotland, in the Sutherland area, wolves were such a problem that deceased humans couldn't be buried on the mainland as their graves would be dug up by the wolves. Oh, that's grim. Yeah, it's yeah bad, that's right? pretty bad. And so they had to go to the island of Handa to then bury the dead. The wolves were probably trying to do some like biological research for developing the, you know, the Yeah, that's right. They just want, they needed the materials. <laughs> Cadavers, yeah. Can wolves swim? Probably. Wolves can swim and fly. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so in central Scotland, they had to construct these wolf-proof graves from five flagstones to sort of... Um, okay, yeah. yeah. Is wolf-proof graves a better band name than unmitigated wolf killings? <laughs> Unreported, yeah. Unreported wolf killings. I think we'll, we'll, we'll hold a vote. Okay. Um, and the, okay, so although the... Um, so there, there were wolf sightings <laughs> quite late on which might undermine, to some degree, the 1743 claim. So there, <laughs> there were wolf sightings as late as 1888. Okay. Um, but but some of these could have been dogs. <laughs> so we're not entirely <laughs> sure. Really dog. Yeah. So given, anyway, given all this trouble, yeah. which I really worry now has kind of been forgotten by mm. modern people, it's with mixed feelings that I can report that there's a great deal of discussion about reintroducing yeah, the wolf sure. wow. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. into Scot- the Scottish Highlands. Uh, so, and, and that's mainly so that the wolves can then kill the deer, which have now become a massive pest yeah. in Scotland, including stags. They're like the beautiful creatures, but nonetheless, like now con- literally considered a pest. There are a lot uh, of stags in Scotland. You can't go to Edinburgh without seeing <laughs> Guys on the booze. Guy, yeah, guys on the lash. <laughs> oh my God. Um, yeah, so it does look like wolves are going to be reintroduced back into the wild in Scotland. Um, for I some, imagine some sheep farmers are not excited about this news. Sheep farmers and anyone who's like read any of this history is or like... Or listen to it's, this it's, podcast. So 
ecologically speaking, there's a term for this. Um, it's called a... Dumb tr- move. A dumb move. It's called a trophic cascade. Oh. And that's what happened in Yellowstone when they in- reintroduced the wolves back in there. So they reintroduced the wolves back in there. Things like the beaver population actually expanded because like they had these unknown consequences of, of reintroducing yeah. it. They th- thought they'd get rid of the pest, get the wolves back in. But it caused the deer to go down lower from the mountains um, therefore, sorry, go higher into the, into the mountains. Therefore, more trees grew and therefore more beavers grew. Um, rivers changed direction. Wow. And this whole sort of unintended consequences of ha- right. having impact into nature is called a trophic cascade. So arguably, we cause trophic cascades by eliminating species. I mean, we are existing. The, the greatest trophic cascade. But there could be huge things like livestock losses. There could be, you know, hunting. All this kind of I- impact happening from doing this. So it's like, it is decidedly a mixed idea to do this. Exactly. They'll, they'll, like, they'll flash flood Glasgow and then sweep up and eat all the children. <laughs> It'll be a disaster. So anyway, for Scottish listeners, you can look forward to, uh, once again, living in constant fear of, of being wolf, hunted. Your wolf overlords. Like your forefathers. Yeah. <laughs> there you have it. Wolves in Scotland. Terrible idea. <laughs> Okay, uh, thank you all so, 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 so much for joining us. That's everything you'd ever need to know about the year in question, which is 1743. And that means that all that's left to do is for Will to boot up the random number generator. That's right. And before I do, just a little plug for the Patreon. If you are the sort of person, if you're the sort of person who can walk past a Starbucks or a Costa Coffee, uh-huh. um, or perhaps a um, a pret a manger, a pret a manger, um, or a boutique coffee shop that makes you feel a bit more smug, yeah, mm. than selecting any one of, those, one of those, and just absentmindedly buy yourself a coffee without giving it a second thought, mm. yeah, and, and then we'll drink it and discard it. You might ask yourself, would you be willing to buy the equivalent of a coffee? For us, yeah, <laughs> we're so thirsty. I would love a third of a coffee. <laughs> if you get, if you get, if you get a third of a coffee, sort of utility from yeah. this, yeah, yeah. Um, then consider consider going to Patreon.com/slash/randomlyhistory. Also, uh, uh, you should tell your friends or people about this. We'd love to get the word out. Our numbers keep growing. It's great to see, and we'd love to actually get a wider audience of. Um, what, what do we call our? What's a collective word for noun for our fans? Wolf, oh. The wolf pack. The wolf pack. Oh, the wolf pack the, the wolf. is very good. <laughs> We'd love to have more members of the wolf pack so we can destroy the ecology of the world. Yes. <laughs> which is, which is, we are now ready to announce <laughs> the secret purpose of the podcast. <laughs> more carbon. <laughs> no, hang on. Yes, more. Yes. More, yeah. Carbon everywhere. Great. And with that, now announced. With that call to arms. <laughs> We can announce that the also that the next year or next the next episode. Yep. Good. You're doing great. It's the high quality podcast people will flock to. Pay a third of a coffee for. <laughs> it's actually not worth a third of a coffee. <laughs> Don't say that now. <laughs> Is sixteen sixty four. 1664, not the year that Mary Queen of Scots hunted wolves. So we will all have to find something else to talk about. I think they're all wearing roughly shirts ah frills frilly roughly shirts the year of the founding of the royal marines is that true i think so really that's pretty good is that old i think so 
Wow. Well, well I mean, we'll, I'll, I'll tell people next time. Okay, yeah, gotcha. Whatever is up. <laughs> it would be impossible to look it up right now. It would be super impossible. Be so right, hard. see you next time. Bye-bye. 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 Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.